So a guy walks into a bar and says, I feel like there's something really important about life that I need to learn that no one is teaching me. What skills do I really need that aren't part of the usual training protocol in life? The bartender looks at him and says, well, what does he say? Welcome to the Serve Conscious Podcast, where we turn every encounter into an opportunity for growth and transformation. Here you can develop skills that not enough people are teaching, grow yourself professionally, or just live a more mindful, fulfilled, and service-oriented life. Thanks for listening. I look forward to talking about how this works. Before, I'm just going to talk about my awesome partner, the Institute for Organizational Mindfulness. They are a not-for-profit that is committed to raising awareness of the power of mindfulness applied to the organizational setting and also working with individuals and businesses to uh, more effectively develop their mission. So together, we're working to create change and up-level the culture of work life here in uh, the United States and worldwide. So uh, check them out and check out our partner page in the show notes. Hey friends, how's it going? So we've got a whole fleet of like really Super badass guests coming, but um, before we do that, I'm just gonna hang out you and I, so we could, you know, have some more, have some more us time, you know, <laughs> do some more focused discussion on uh, some very important topics to me, because you know, quarantine life has been a really good time to just consolidate everything I've been learning and teaching for the last probably decade or so now, which is amazing. And a really good practice to do is to imagine yourself 10 years ago. And just saying that, already I know that it's going to be a really powerful practice for me because it's uncomfortable just to do that. (laughs) I have tremendous issue with Stefan as he existed even a week ago or a month ago in his, I guess you can say, less evolved, less mature state. And I cringe at all of the oblivious, reckless ways that I've behaved over the years before I was a more skillful, refined person. Not that I'm that refined now, but it's it's really difficult for me to do that. And perhaps that friction has led to me developing a lot of practices and modalities to not repeat those mistakes as uncomfortable as it's been to reflect on and process my timeline of struggles and stumbles. And having a mission that is not only dedicated to teaching the art of service, but also is an outlet for me to serve. And when you have an outlet to serve, you have a furnace to throw all of your past stumbles into to burn them into fuel, to be able to help others. And that gives the whole process a much truer aim and is a definite source of resilience as I continue to navigate all of this dark inner terrain. (laughs) It's not that dark. It's not that dark. It's just cringy and embarrassing sometimes, which has also led me to discovering a lot of really valuable resources for removing some of the unnecessary friction of the self-reflection process 
And I'm thinking mainly of self-compassion right now. Um, There has been some really powerful work developed by uh, psychologist Kristen Neff, formulating it into uh, a whole sort of criteria of how we look at ourselves. Basically, the work boils down to, are you viewing yourself as someone that cares about yourself? As a friend would care about a friend, as you would care about so many people you care about. We so incredibly and bafflingly don't give ourselves the same treatment that we would give someone far less intimately related to us than ourselves. (laughs) And even after 10 years of meditating and teaching meditation, I struggle with this. And a lot of people do. It's an incredibly persistent symptom of a whole lot of stuff. You know, one of them is a very sort of aspirational culture that we live in to become great and extraordinary and awesome and high performing. And it's so easy to find endless ways that we're not meeting some criteria of extraordinary. And then reject ourselves for whatever it is we've decided that we're failing at. But research has shown that the more forgiving of ourselves, not even just forgiving, it's not like, oh yeah, go ahead and suck, it's fine. It's not in like a kind of complacent, lazy way. It's understanding of ourselves in a way that a parent would understand and care for and have patience for their children, knowing that we are on the right path and learning what we need to learn and doing the best we can. And having that perspective on ourselves does not soften our edge. In fact, it gives us more strength. It actually emboldens us to take challenges on because if we tend to be really hard on ourselves, we will tend to avoid challenges because we know how much we're going to crucify ourselves for any little slip up. So in fact, it creates engagement avoidance if we tend to be self-critical and not compassionate towards ourselves. So incredibly, self-compassion works. And it's been a huge missing piece for me. And chances are it's a missing piece for you in some way. I don't care how far along you are in your self-development. Something's going to come up that you're going to give yourself a reason to jab yourself for. And these practices have been around for some time. We just love to conveniently forget that they're available to us because self-loathing is just so familiar and safe and delicious that we don't need to think about any other possible avenue, even if it's right in front of us. So here's a practice for you. The next time you're reflecting on something you've done, ask yourself, how am I actually looking at it? Like, am I being a friend? To myself? Am I viewing it like a caring parent would? Or how about this? Say, how would my most fulfilled self look at this? How would my mentor or teacher look at me doing this? Would they be loving and understanding? How would the Buddha look at this? That's an actual meditation as well in Buddhist practices. You're viewing anything, often it's your own inner state, as the most fulfilled, enlightened being you can imagine, would view it. And you will be shocked at the dynamic that occurs. You'll either realize how unnecessarily cruel and vicious and trolly, actually, you're being to yourself, or you will realize how much 
better and more effective it is to look at yourself like this and not waste energy grinding your gears about how much you think you suck. And you might be amazed at how much viewing yourself with compassion inspires a productive response of some sort. And this brings me to the whole point of this episode, because when I was viewing myself of 10 years ago and my mistakes, I thought, what what did I really need that I was lacking? What kind of guidance did I need? What did I need to learn that I wish that I had a voice, a wise voice somewhere, peeking its head through parted clouds saying, Stefan, listen to me. This is how the world works. <laughs> and it led me to create a course that was going to provide young Stefan as a service professional, very ambitious, very insecure, very bewildered, very frustrated, very prone to snobbiness as a sort of shield around his insecurity, very socially anxious, yet always with a point to prove, endlessly putting his foot in his mouth. (laughs) Oh, Stefan. So what could I possibly provide myself? Some resource that could maybe be a means of salvation. Wisdom that I wasn't being taught. So this course emerged as not only a sort of navigational beacon for people dealing with the challenges of service life and the toll it takes on their happiness, self-worth, and sense of value, but also as lessons I'm still learning and can benefit from having (laughs) made blatantly smack you in the face obvious and also like properly structured and formulated and shaped into a whole modality, a way of life that people can actually install into whatever it is they're doing now, however it is they're serving, not just in the hospitality realm, but all forms of service because they're all really fueled by the same essence and really turn into someone that gets everything they can out of service, deep growth and fulfillment, a firm sense of their worth and value, and also just basic skills, like straight up skills that will make you more effective, which is a really important factor in one's own self-worth. Seeing themselves actually capably and fluidly navigating all of the challenges of service. It's a straight-up skill development course, but here's the thing. It's not the skills people will expect to learn. And if you've listened to any number of the previous 70 episodes of this podcast that I've done or read any of my content, you might have guessed that, that I'm not just going to be teaching you basic etiquette, you know, saying the right thing, putting the right thing in the right place, you know, procedural stuff that's going to make your bosses happy or make your clients think that they're happy from whatever tricky sales tactic you use to charm them. It's a skills course teaching skills that are skillful. (laughs) And by skillful, I mean the Buddhist definition of skillful. And that means they're not just technical skills. They're not just basic know-how and competency. Buddhist skillfulness means you are doing something 
in a way that creates maximum harmony with yourself and or anyone involved. Skillfulness in the Buddhist sense is a measure of how much your actions and thoughts and general way of being is a reflection or an embodiment of the kind of person that you want to be and the kind of life that you want to live. So whether or not you're communicating skillfully isn't just a sign of using the right words and being very articulate and getting your point across or winning an argument or any of these sort of superficial, you know, language and idea oriented things. It's really a question of how are you communicating such that this relationship has the most fluidity, the most connection, the most mutual understanding, and the least unnecessary friction. So the Buddhist word for skillfulness is upaya, which also translates to expedient means. And this basically defines a sort of chasm that has to be leapt, you know, a gap that has to be closed between this sort of collection of ideals we have of like, okay, I want to be a kind person. I want to be a patient person. I want to feel like connected to people and I want to get along with people as best I can. And I want to be of service as best I can. I want to be helpful and valuable to others. But then the situation arises in which you have an opportunity to live out these ideals. But the situation may not necessarily make it that easy and will present new challenges and new sort of calls to action. And that is when you dial in to your resources and your own, I guess, innate sense of wisdom judgment, intuition, whatever you want to call it, that looks at the moment and says, what is needed of me right now? And how can I do what is needed in a way that is most aligned with the kind of person that I think I should be, the kind of role I want to play in this life? And whatever the moment demands may not necessarily look like the nicest, sweetest version of whatever it is you want to be. But whatever action you choose, however you choose to show up in that moment, is skillful insofar as you feel right about it, in a way. Like, you feel like it was the best you could have done to be the person you want to be, with the present resources you have, with what you presently know. Look back on yourself 10 years ago, you may have said, ah, yes, well, (laughs) I was kind of in that level of development at that time, so there were certain realizations I was lacking that I could have brought to the situation. But oh well, that's where self-compassion comes in. You know, I was acting according to the highest level of understanding I had in the moment, and I couldn't have expected more of myself, right? And I guess things are like unskillful insofar as... You act one way, but you know better. Like, you know a better way. You know a way that'll get better results. That'll create more fluidity in that encounter. But instead, you just, you know, react impulsively. You choose to just argue and be right or berate or put someone down or do something you don't feel so good about after. 
that is unskillful. You don't feel good, they don't feel good. Everyone gets depleted a little bit. And you think, oh gosh, all right, well, give me another try sometime. Hopefully I'll nail it then. (laughs) So this is not a black and white protocol. You know, a simple list of do's and don'ts uh, program that you can just insert and get the same results every time. It's highly responsive and highly subjective and entirely dependent on that singular, unique moment. Which is why you can't really create a manual for this stuff, because there is no right thing to do in the right moment. There's simply things you can do to have the right awareness, or to at least know that you will when the need arises. And to continually have the right awareness of yourself throughout your life so that you know all of the little ways that your mind is going to get in the way of you doing the thing that you will feel good about after. Because it's a thing you know is right and aligns with your values, your sense of who you are and the, the person that you could be, as I've said. And so for me, my service job was my opportunity to run into these walls over and over and over again. The thing is, though, when you're constantly having difficult, friction-laden encounters with others and with yourself, and you don't have the tools or the general system of awareness practices that, you know, Buddhist and yogic and generally mindful modalities will provide you, you will protect yourself in other ways. And usually that looks like you backing up and righteously fighting for all of the aspects of yourself that are causing the problems in the first place. (laughs) Simultaneously, you'll just blame everyone else for being the problem. So I'm developing a course to give people their power back. Because when you simply look at everyone else as the problem for butting heads with you in some way, then you are simply being a victim of them. You're not taking responsibility for the outcomes. You're just saying, oh, everyone else, they're just constantly causing me issues. Well, what if you have the power to change this situation and it doesn't involve trying to change everyone else, which is, by the way, impossible and a huge waste of energy. It's a really, really streamlined and efficient strategy to simply refine how it is that you do things. I don't mean like just change yourself, get rid of all the stuff no one likes and start acting in a way everyone expects you to like. No, it's you're going to learn how to be more of what you already want to be by observing the results you get, the obstacles you create that unnecessarily disrupt those results, and how those obstacles can be removed. Like they're not like set patterns that you can't do anything about. And that is the self-empowering aspect of mindfulness, Buddhist, and yogic practices. They understand and have understood for thousands of years the innate human capacity to change. To look at something and say, this isn't working, I'm going to do it differently. Or to look at a pattern or a tendency, no matter how long you've had that for, no matter how much you've told yourself, this is just the way I am, it can 
much more quickly than you even imagine be shifted maybe gradually over time or maybe just in an instant all you have to do is realize you're doing it and wow all of a sudden it's much easier to catch yourself and shift into doing things in a way that works better and also it helps to know ways that'll work better maybe you don't even know like how do i even like do things effectively and skillfully so I've also included in the course ways of doing things that will get you better results or at least are worth trying. (laughs) If nothing that you're doing is working, try something else. Try anything else, actually, because it at least gets the momentum of exploring what works and does not going. That's the itch I'm sort of scratching with this course I'm developing because I learn all of this stuff on my own from being extremely fortunate to encounter incredibly wise and brilliant teachers giving me tools that have utterly transformed my life. And the first place I noticed those changes was the service environment, since it is so dynamic and challenging. The um, transformation has an obvious and immediate impact. But I'm like, why do I have to go scurrying around Asia and the world and esoteric text upon text to discover all of these very, very simple approaches and techniques that are so utterly essential for getting by, actually thriving in this life. Why is no one teaching them in everyday life? Why... Is this not woven at least a little bit into the basic training of every job that involves interacting with people? It is so hard to interact in a way with people sometimes that isn't in some way troubling, in some way frustrating, in some way taking something from us. The level of difficulty we have is absurd because interacting with someone else especially when we have the opportunity to help them in the service environment, should be life-giving. And it's not. The opposite occurs. We're missing something. And it's not being taught. And we're not raised with it either. Very few actual interpersonal skills um, are woven into a lot of our upbringings. And then we're thrust into a world where we need to learn how to really communicate and like really be present and understand others and really know how to serve others, whether or not we even have an expressly service-oriented role. There is so much wisdom lacking in any educational system, uh, including our schools where we spend almost our entire lives until we're in our 20s. So yeah, if I do a skills course, it's not going to be a collection of basic competencies that anyone's going to teach. It's going to be the stuff that I'm like, why isn't this being taught? That kind of stuff. The why isn't this being taught stuff. Where was this all my life kind of skillfulness? That's what I want to bring people. And in developing this course, I realized that that is the whole reason that I started Serve Conscious and why I wanted to reveal the power and possibility of a mindful approach to service 
because it's not being taught. Like if you were actually taught this, I'd be like, okay, well, I guess you don't need me. Any given leadership structure has got you covered. No, nobody has you covered. <laughs> and people do not care about your inner well-being while you serve or even the inner well-being of the people they serve. Because even though they know the protocol for minimizing complaints, maximizing, quote-unquote, satisfaction, and they know the results that they might want, which is the sort of superficial feeling of happiness that people might get having an experience, using a product, whatever, they don't know the deeper exchange that is occurring and they don't know how to help servers cultivate the state of mind that allows this to happen more frequently and in a very natural way. Because the inner state of the person serving is actually inspired and feeling good about the role that they have. And that will permeate every aspect of how they're serving. And the person receiving that service will at least feel it. They don't have to like notice it on the surface, but they'll feel it. And the exchange will be a lot more enriching than service they receive from someone that's just doing or saying what they've been told to say and do, but have no actual connection to the process at all. Leadership in the service industry can't teach people how to enjoy it and can't teach people how to be a healthy, happy person of service if they themselves are none of those things. If they don't enjoy it, if they don't know how to take care of themselves, if they don't know how to resolve any of their own inner issues, then they don't have the resources to provide that for anyone else, of course. Um, having compassion for those people is another important aspect of service since you're not just serving your clients, you're serving everyone you work with, including your leadership. But that's a whole other discussion. And you'll learn these things as you learn mindful service more and more. So this skill development course that I'm offering hopes to give everyone a more concentrated and systematic dose of all of these mindful service principles such that we can move along the process of becoming awakened people of service a little more quickly. So if you're not on the mailing list, get on the mailing list so that you can receive updates about this upcoming launch as well as some free content and mini courses along the way. Some powerful uh, strategies and modalities that I have not yet shared that uh, I want everyone who feels they're ready to be able to participate in. And also, get on the mailing list so you can let me know what you need from a course because I am a person that believes in service and that should mean any product that I offer should be one that most serves the people in my community that I care for so much and spend hours and hours barking into a microphone at in the hopes of helping. <laughs> Tell me how to help you. So get on that mailing list, head to the website www.serveconscious.com. You'll also be getting all kinds of content like this and articles and what have you over email and i guess that's all for today let's pick this up again later i'll be giving you more updates on the course and some more topics within it that the course will go deeper into we'll be touching on those topics 
throughout the podcast. So thank you so much for listening, guys. Talk to you soon. You have a great day. Ciao.